Welcome everybody to She Leads Her Life. I'm your host, Jenna Schneider, and I'm just so honored today to have my guest, Sam Owens, with us today. I'm going to go ahead and let Sam introduce himself to all of you, but just know you are going to learn a lot from him today, and it is a true gift to have him on the podcast. So welcome, Sam, and could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. So um, I am Samuel Owens III. Um, I am a dad of three, um, married, and the head coach of the University of Minnesota um, Spirit Squad. Uh, I've been there in the program for 28 years, um, head coach for 23. I uh, also, you know, do a lot of real estate um, deals and stuff. So I flip a few houses here and there. Um, and I, <laughs> within my passion, um, I do have my own real estate brokerage. So real estate kind of started as a side hustle, but uh, definitely is something that I've learned to love and create a passion for. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, thank you for being here today, Sam. And we're just going to dive in. You were the first person that I thought of with everything that is going on in the world, with the protests, with the murder of George Floyd. And as a successful, intelligent Black man, I thought it was so important for you to share your viewpoint, especially living in Minneapolis, which is Mm -hmm where all of this started. How is your head and how is your heart today? Um, I would say, you know, most of the time, you know, they're conflicted, right? As I, I feel like uh, I try to be a very compassionate person, you know, and, um, and so I like to think about people, but I also, you know, try to use my head, you know, when it comes to, um, making decisions also. So, you know, and I think these times have just made me, you know, completely conflicted. Um, the good news is I feel challenged almost every day, um, which if I feel challenged, it means I'm growing, you know, I'm learning, I'm trying to listen a a lot more and, um, trying to see more outside of myself and my own situation. You know, I'd love to just, you know, go on the record by saying, you know, today I'm only going to talk about my experience, you know, and to me, that's just one black man's experience. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there are several hundred thousand million, right? You know, I mean, it's, it's just where we are. So, you know, I don't want by any means my story to, you know, be the, you know, capstone or, you know, the only story at all, because, um, there's just a bunch out there, you know, that are, and they're all different and unique. I love what you said that we're all just here to learn. And isn't that the truth? And that's what I talked about on the previous episode too, is the biggest place where my heart has been at is obviously compassion and empathy, but also learning and just reaching Mm -hmm. out to people that I know and Mm -hmm. learning from their stories and their advice and how how can we all come together yeah. during this um, to make each other feel heard? Because yeah. I think that's the most important thing is people feeling that they are heard and that we can learn from one another right now. Mm-hmm. What is 
if I could ask, what is hard for you right now? Um, I would say the reopening of wounds, you know, um, just trying to balance um, things in my own life, how I grew up um, with, you know, what's needed for people today. Mm -hmm. um, maybe I've had some thoughts and made some decisions and done some things that I'm like, was that the best way for this generation? You know, as a dad of three black sons and, you know, I grew up in the 70s and 80s and 90s, right? And they live a different life. And I feel like I have, you know, tried my best to keep them safe, um, open their eyes. Um, and I would say, you know, be real. But I think as a parent, I'm not sure, you know, that they, um, I fully explained, I guess, where I was coming from you know, in some of my thoughts, you know, or some of um, the philosophies that I pushed on them that maybe they don't have, you know. Yeah, Sam, you talked a little bit about your experience growing up. Mm -hmm. How would you compare your experience growing up as, you said, a Black child compared mm -hmm. to your sons growing up today? Um, well, first of all, I mean, I just think that they are a lot more just kind of well off, right? Our yeah. life is just yeah. different, right? I grew up of, you know, extremely modest means. I was never hungry, you know, I, I never wanted for anything, um, but there was a, a huge like extended family, you know? So my mom being a single mom, um, and, and my dad was involved. He just, you know, he didn't live in our home and he kind of did his own deal. And we'll just save that for another podcast. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, um, you know, grandparents and, you know, extended family, you know, were really important. Um, and they helped out a lot with us. So um, I don't know if I mentioned, but I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah. And so... Um, you know, and I went to a school where, you know, I was bused in to the suburbs. So I lived in Milwaukee, um, closer to the suburbs, but still Milwaukee. And then I was bused um, to, uh, into a school system where there were four other black kids in my grade. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I think that that in itself was, was you know, very, um, I look back on that and I go, oh, you know, what does that mean? Now, you know, my 15 year old was two, he lived in Milwaukee until this year. Um, and he was two, but I wanted to create a different experience for him mm -hmm. being bused in, mm -hmm. you know, just getting him more integrated in the, into his community and that kind of thing. Um, as far as growing up, I think, you know, there was more of a, um, push to maybe assimilate, mm -hmm. you know, I think that my mom was very clear that education was important. She wanted me to be around the best, to get the best, mm -hmm. you know, um, and I think that she thought it was her responsibility to drive a lot of messages home, you mm -hmm. know, so for example, um, you know, I, and I don't know that 
it was always put in, you know, black versus white terms, but I was definitely told like as a man, a black man, I'm going to work, I'm going to have to work twice as hard. You know, you're going to, your work ethic is everything. You you start hearing that as a child. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and I have a, um, I mean, I don't know, is there time for a story? Absolutely. So I've never really told this story to very many people, but as, um, as a child, you know, with my mom and dad, there were, you know, kind of a custody, you know, like kind of custody disputes or whatever. And I think there was one time where, you know, my um, grandpa, um, who would watch me until, you know, I could, you know, start like daycare or whatever, mm-hmm. um, he was retired. And so, you know, my my dad's mom kind of was working with child protective services to take me because my mom believed in spankings and I would get, mm-hmm. you know, spankings. Mm-hmm. And um, it was very interesting because I remember distinctly the child protective services guy coming to check, you know, to see if I had bruises and that kind of thing. Sure. And, you know, and my mom was very specific, you know, he was like, you know, we could take him and this and that because, you know, you're putting your hands on him or whatever. And, and, and honestly, Jenna, I think I was probably like four or five, but my mom specifically said to him, if you're going to take him, then you should take him now because I'm never going to stop disciplining my child because we all know what happens to a black man who can't follow the rules. You're going to put him in jail or you're going to kill him. And, and I'll be perfectly honest at my very young age of, you know, about four or five, I was like, kill, you know, I watch movies. I know what death was, you know? And, and, and I I think back to that moment and, and I was kind of like, wow, it's pretty serious, you know? And she said, I will spank my child and I will discipline him because he needs to know his place in this world. Okay. Um, now, whether that's right or wrong, again, my story, kind of my first, you know, um, idea of what I, looking back, you know, is kind of my first idea of the differences, you know, that were in the world. I think, you know, you kind of speed up. I tested into the school, you know, system that I went to and it was first grade, you know, I started first grade and it was probably like, you know, second part of the year, first grade, when I heard my first black joke, you know? So again, another thing that kind of let me know that I was different and so was, you know, the world. So um, that's kind of as, you know, a child, I said there was more of a, a, you know, kind of a push to assimilate, you know? This is what you do, you, you know, you kind of get in where you fit in, you work hard. you, you know, kind of follow the rules. You put your head down, you follow the rules, you work your tail off until you can make them, mm. until you can make the rules, mm. you know? And just um, as a side note, Sam, what just came to me is just knowing you as a coach and a leader for the Spirit Squad program, you've carried that with you your whole life. Oh, absolutely. That is your attitude. Work hard, put your head down and work hard. And how beautiful is that yeah. taking that message for good into what you do and inspire so many others today. Thank you so much. Um, I, I really appreciate that. But I, you know, I look back and, and I think some of those things are good and some I'm not so sure, 
You know, I mean, I'll go back to, I'm just conflicted about it. As we get, you know, a little bit further on, I mean, I'll be able to talk about some of the conflicts that, yeah, absolutely. you know, I, I have. Yeah, let's, let's go on. Take us back to the day that George Floyd was murdered. What were your initial thoughts when you first found out the details? Well, my initial thought of seeing the video was, I was kind of disgusted. Just, you know, um, I mean, for one, right, we are surprisingly in a pandemic. We're dealing with a pandemic, right? Yeah. And so, um, and I, I thought that, you know, with how we're affected and how so many lives have been changed and, you know, I mean, how the world has been hit so hard, I thought that there would at least be a little more compassion. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, regardless of where we are with race, mm-hmm. at a very minimum, you would think that there would be a human, right, mm-hmm. characteristic to mm-hmm. creating some kind of change. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of what I, I thought. Um, was I surprised that he was killed? I'm really sad to say I wasn't surprised. I think that that's the very same thing I deal with, you know, as I've tried in my life to be successful so I can, you know, have a voice because I do think in this country, those two things go hand in hand, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I've tried to make myself less scary, you know, so that people will listen. Um, but I, you know, but I am George Floyd. I am him. I, when I am pulled over, you know, it, I can't say that it's mattered. You know, I just, I, I can't say that I've been treated any differently. I may, you know, I, I just, I can't, I can't say that. So, I mean, and we can, you know, definitely go into that a little bit, but I haven't been treated differently. It's, it's, it's up to me to prove myself to the police, which is very interesting, you know? You know, Sam, as you're saying that, and thank you for being so authentic and honest about that, that was a light bulb for me, just as you saying that, because I was so shocked Mm -hmm. and horrified Mm -hmm. and taken back. But that's because I sit here as a privileged white woman Mm -hmm. and that I don't see that. I haven't dealt with that in my life. And so I naively thought that that doesn't exist in 2020. Mm -hmm. That wouldn't happen in our society. And I was so blind to it that it has deeply affected me to go back and say, I have so much to learn and I need to listen to these people because I was so blind to this. Mm -hmm. And yet people in the black community are coming out and saying, this has never gone away. Right. This has always existed. Right. It is now that we are just opening our eyes mm-hmm. to seeing what is going on. How have you felt our society has reacted to the murder of George? Um, I think that people are kind of just putting their foot down. Um, I will tell you, though, if we could just back up a little bit. Yeah, you bet. I, I think the interesting part 
about all of this with the timing and everything is like, we live in the world where we move so fast. Okay. We, we move really fast. We have to do a lot. We want to accomplish a lot right in a day. And we're expected to do that. Right. This pandemic has slowed us all down and kind of opened up our eyes for starters. Okay. It's kind of shown us right away who the haves and the have nots are. Mm -hmm. Okay. So even, you know, within the people who work every day and what I mean by have and have nots, who can work from home and who has, you know, who cannot, who's on the front line, you know, and not to mention who's dying, you know, who are our most vulnerable people, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, people of color, Mm-hmm. who do not have, you know, the opportunity really to work. A lot of them don't have the, the opportunity to work from home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our elderly population, right? I mean, it, it's, you can, it's been so evident. So I, I think that for starters, there's no way we could close our eyes because we have all really been sat down. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then when these things happen, we have to pay attention. Mm. Um, and you know, I tend to be a faithful person and I believe that it happened for a reason. You know, I, I, I believe that there's no way of getting around this just because of, of where we are. And there's a lot of, you know, reactions out there, right. That we'd like to think of as actions, but really they are reactions to, you know, who we are as a society. Mm-hmm. Action so, first, reaction. Sam, we could do a whole nother podcast on that. Absolutely. Actions versus reactions. Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. So when I ask, you know, like when, when you say like, you know, how has society responded? I, I think that they've kind of taken notice, you know. Um, I will say I've been really impressed being kind of, you know, they call it this is the epicenter. And I've been really impressed with the leadership here. You know, um, I think we've seen some things that, you know, as a black man, I don't recall seeing, you know, people that have kind of taken a stand right away, you know, our mayor, our governor, you know, our lieutenant governor, um, you know, taking a stand right away saying this is what it is, you know, or at a minimum saying this is what I see. Mm. Okay, because, and, and that's when I, I go back to like, at its very core, you expect people to be human, mm. you know? So, you know, just like you and I saw that video from probably very different lenses, mm-hmm. we just pretty much ask people. You know, from the leadership, you know, so the fact that, you know, in Minneapolis, we have a mayor that I, I think he's fantastic. You know, I, I think that <laughs> I just hope people see what I see in terms of him um, being a very compassionate man. Um, and I, this is not the only issue that I've seen that on, you know, and we can go into things that and decisions that I feel like he's made that I think have been smart and been the right ones, you know. I don't know that they're very popular, you know, because unfortunately we expect our leaders to maybe not be human, 
you know, like we don't allow them human characteristics and, and we don't allow them to care about people, you know, we, and, and then we could talk about the politics of it all and not, you know, red versus blue necessarily, but more political in terms of what politicians have to do. And because you have, you know, different constituents, you have to tote this line and appease to everyone, you know, mm. and, and that's just, not okay, <laughs> you know? And that's where to me, again, telling my experience, that's where I've lost a lot of respect for people in the past, you know? So I feel very, you know, good about the fact that although there's some really ugly things happening in the city, I feel good that people can stand up and say, if this happened to me, this would be murder. If I was, if I had my knee on someone's neck, yeah, this would yeah. be murder, yeah. okay? And, and that's what I expect from a leader to yeah. call it as they yeah. see. Yeah, you know? yeah. I had one of the questions I was going to ask you, Sam, too, is to you, you've been in a leadership position for so many years, yeah. have led teams, have led coaches for the University of Minnesota. What does effective leadership look like to you? I think effective leadership is that balance between your head and your heart. You know, I think that you are only as good as the people you're leading, right? And you have to understand your people, but you also have to be decisive and you have to make a decision, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and you also have to understand that you're not going to be popular all the time, mm -hmm. you know? So uh, for me, I, I think that, you know, I try to balance my head with my heart. I, I try to let, you know, people know that I am also human. You know, and with being human, mistakes will be made. That's just kind of part of it. But I think that, you know, you have to give a little grace in order to be allowed some to, you know. So, um, but, you know, I, I struggle with that because I am always trying, you know, to be a good leader. You know, I think that's no different than being a good dad you know, being a good son, you know, and being a good grandson, right? Um, basically being a good person. So um, I just want to be very clear, usually in where I stand on issues, you know, and, and, and something I'll be perfectly honest, what I have to do a better job of, especially at home, maybe not so much, you know, with my athletes, because I've grown to know they expect you know, um, reasons, mm -hmm. but at home, I need to be able to explain the reasons why more so than, mm -hmm. you know, I'm the dad, right? <laughs> and, you know, yeah. um, you know, because I said so that right. doesn't work right. anymore. Right. You know, that worked yeah. when I was little, but it just yeah. doesn't work. So it's all about sitting down and just having connection. Yeah. Yeah. And connection. Yeah. Sam, I want to ask this question to you. And as I was coming up with different questions, this one reminded me of you. And so I'm so curious on what you're going to say. Mm -hmm. If you were the professor in front of a class full of white students, yeah. what would you teach them? And what would their tests look like? You know, it's funny. Um, I, I was a little, I thought that question was interesting. Um, <laughs> Only because, honestly, I feel like I am a teacher, right? I feel like I am a professor. Exactly. Like, yeah. you know, it's my, yeah. it's my role. It's yeah. my role as a dad. It's my role as a coach. You know, it's my role as a manager, you know, of, of my staff, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's also my role 
you know, um, as an employee, <laughs> you know, um, is to kind of, you know, be able to teach, you know, my sport administrators what, you know, where I'm coming from, right? And, and, and my point of view and the point of view from my athletes. So um, I, I guess, you know, my advice to my class would be do your research, you know, huh. do your research, um, get involved and, you know, get involved with the community. And then at its very core, at its very core, like in any other situation, find a very safe circle mm. where you can ask questions, right? Mm -hmm. That that people who know your heart, right? Because like my new thing, I guess what I've, I've, I've kind of learned is it, it's not, I can't think it's bad if you don't know, mm -hmm. you know? I, I, because we all come from different experiences, right? So it's not bad that you don't know, but it is if you're not trying to learn, mm -hmm. you know, if you're not trying to know, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, and, and we decided, you know, I, I had this meeting with my assistant coaches and I said, you know, as a staff, we are going to work with our individual teams as a community, okay? And we're going to decide what we want for our community and, and in hopes, right, in trying to deal with the city or the world or, you know, make it really big, we're just going to start small. Mm -hmm. and, and hopefully, you know, the people in our community will be able to take some of, you know, what we learn and what we define as rules and, and safeguards for our community, we'll be able to take that back to other circles, mm. you know, so... Yeah. So beautiful, Sam, that the visual I had when you were talking about that is just, have you heard the analogy of dropping a pebble, you yep. know, just starting small into a lake, but then you create a ripple effect. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what it sounds like you guys will be doing. And it's what I've learned over time about other issues that I've done with the program. I'll, I'll just be honest. Like, you know, when, when people, um, when like we have this like leadership, just a smaller group where, you know, we have a large program. Mm -hmm. We only, you know, we're not football, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't have a ton of coaches and I need my captains, you know, mm -hmm. I need my captains, I need my vets to, you know, be leaders also. So we pull them aside at our annual, you know, retreat and talk about, you know, things like what leadership looks like. And I always am so moved when they say, you know, when they can say, I've let this program shape me, you know, and, and which means that I've had to give up a little bit to do that, right? But also how they've taken things to other circles. Maybe they coach a team, maybe, you know, it's group work in, a, in the classroom or, you know, whatever. That to me is a little piece of me mm -hmm. in other circles, right? So mm -hmm. I, I really love that. But back to the original question, I would also, you know, have my class get involved in the community, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and, and then finally, I would say just, don't be afraid to, to get uncomfortable. Don't be afraid to get dirty and get uncomfortable because if, I think what we know, you know, from Spirit Squad, whether, you know, it's dance or cheer, we know that sometimes it's uncomfortable, right? When you're learning a new skill, you may have to learn it and learning it is only part of it. It's, mm -hmm. it's doing it the way you need to do it or the other people around you, 
And if you have different people around you, it could be a whole different way of doing it. Yeah. yeah. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. What advice, you're a dad. What advice would you give me as a parent? I have two girls, two daughters who are nine and six right now. Mm-hmm. How do we go about making sure that their eyes are open to what is going on in the world right now? I say at a very, um, again, I, I just believe in starting really small, right? Simple mm-hmm. and basic. And, you know, it could even be as simple as the toys, right? Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that they have, their dolls or, mm-hmm. you know, just the different things. Like not, you know, it doesn't, have to always look you know like them necessarily but them understanding that there are different images you know in the world again you know jenna we're in spirits why right so we deal with differences on a daily basis and you know and brands and images and and body images right Yeah. yeah so i mean we we see it a little differently and than probably most people would you know but i think at its core and, you know, in our business, we, we know, you know, we, we know, um, we kind of know some of the signs, right? Yeah. You know, about how people feel, you know, about themselves and, and, and how they have to fit into this uniform and what that uniform means and, and that kind of thing. So I would just say, you know, we start simple, you know, with our kids and, yeah. you know, and we expose them. Yeah. You know, we show them, you know, videos or books, you know, so that at, at, at its very simplest form, they understand that not everybody looks like them. Right. You know, absolutely. When I first started coaching and this held throughout my, always my foundational goal and my foundational want for any kid that I coached was being able to walk into practice. Mm-hmm. exactly who they were to mm-hmm. feel comfortable coming in exactly who they were. Mm-hmm. Now that didn't mean I didn't have really big expectations of them, mm-hmm. but that they felt that they could be who they were coming into that yeah. arena. Mm-hmm. And that is what I try to teach my children too, is everyone is different from you. And yeah. all we can do is just accept each other and make it, try to make each other feel safe. Exactly. Right. If you feel safe around different people and in different settings, the world looks completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. And, and, and that is, that's beautiful because I think what it is, is at a younger age, once, you know, um, our kids understand that, then they have less fear. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's really it. And, and as a parent, sometimes that's even uncomfortable mm. for you, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, my, my middle son, who I will say I have learned the most from, mm-hmm. you know, um, his name is Cartier. And I've, I've just learned the most from him because he was not scared of anything as a child. And that scared me for one, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, just go up to people and ask. And I'm like, why doesn't he have boundaries? <laughs> like, why doesn't he have boundaries? You know? Yeah. But he yeah. was very comfortable at the adult table. Yeah. Which for me, I learned at an early age, that was not going to be you. you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so it, you know, I mean, our, our kids, I also think that 
as we're trying to teach them, you know, we need to sit back and also be okay learning from them. Because they will, they will teach us. And I think they live in a different world, you know, and, and they're learning other things from, you know, the, the, the kids at school and the teachers and that kind of thing. So other people in their lives. So I think that, you know, we just have to be really authentic and honest with them and kind of match them on that level, right? Because we know at that age, they really are authentic. You know, they haven't learned. No, absolutely. Go to any toddler playground and it doesn't matter what color skin you have, how big, how small. All they're caring about is who's it in the game of tag. Exactly. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. So what's so sad is like we lose that over time, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if everything could be that kind of pure, you know. Simple and pure, organic. Yeah. Sam, could I ask you to share with our listeners, what are you learning about yourself through any of this? Whoa. Woo. Um, you know, I'm learning how to deal with my feelings. I'm learning how to deal with a lot of things that I have kind of pushed down. You know, um, Jenna, I find you really easy to talk to, you know? Um, so I, you know, and and since I've, you know, known you as you know a colleague I've had you know I have such a a respect you know for you and what you've been able to do you know with your teams and and basically the time we've spent you know one-on-one is amazing you know um I always leave you feeling better you know um which is that's it on you know any level I look for people like that in my life okay so that's just a little bit about me but like what I'm what I'm learning is you know, maybe that I don't always have the right answers, you know, Um, I'm going back and redefining, I'm having different conversations, you know, with my kids, I have a 26 year old um, that we've had multiple conversations about his hair and not shaving and, you know, and I just had to go back and say, you know what, I needed to tell you why I felt like this. You know, yeah. I needed to tell you why, you know, um, I am so pushy about this, you know, about you cutting your hair and trying to fit in and looking a certain way. And, you know, but at its core, it's not right, you know, mm-hmm. and I've never told them. I've never, ever told them that it was right, really. Mm-hmm. But, but I feel like, you know, as, you know, dad, we do have to, like, I do have to teach them the reality, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, but I've just been kind of going back, having those conversations. I've been having a lot of conversations with people who reach out to me that want to listen, you yeah. know, um, that want to know how, um, you know, they could be better, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and I'm eager to, you know, help out and give that information, but, that's also really exhausting sometimes, you know, I mean, from, from my chair and only my chair, and that's what I'm speaking about. I feel like I've been doing this since I went to that school in first grade. I've been representing the race. Right. Right. And and that can just be very, very exhausting, Exhausting. you know? Yeah. Um, 
but I think I am also trying to have a little grace with the people that I do know their heart, right? And people that are very close to me. Um, and, and, and what to me, like what grace looks like in, you know, in that situation is just saying, I know who you are, mm-hmm. you know, I know how, you know, you treat me mm-hmm. and I've always been able to be Sam Owens, mm-hmm. the black guy, the coach, the dad, the, you know, I mean, I can honestly say that I wouldn't probably have those people in my life if if mm-hmm. if I couldn't be mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. right so you know of course those are the people who are going to ask because you know a lot of times they've been doing it all along right mm-hmm. and but though you know as and a, a lot of them have been you know people in the department and you know and and my assistant coaches and that kind of thing but just to be able to to say I've always been myself with you and you've always you know created that space and so I've never had to you know feel that and if I had we would have probably had this discussion earlier right right absolutely absolutely what do you want to leave our listeners with today Sam and what do you wish for society yeah um peace Mm. you know I, I do, I wish them peace and, you know, I, I think that when I think about the future and um, maybe this is, you know, the, the, the cheer part of me or whatever, you know, there's that cheerleader piece, right? Um, but Jenna, I just have to be hopeful. Like, I, I have to be hopeful. I have to be optimistic. Like, for, you know, when I look at the, all the people who have fought this fight before me, you yeah. know, when I look at all the people that are going to fight it, you know, after me, like, I have to be hopeful that there are changes, you know. Um, I have to, you know, not only have hope, but I have to have faith, you know. I mean, our, you know, as coaches, we look for the good and the potential in people, right? That's what we do. And, and you know, as college coaches, you know, we don't always have, you know, like we don't always align with some of our athletes, right? You know, we may think that the generation today is entitled and, you know, it's not good enough. And, you know, and they're always fighting for more and maybe one day they'll just be okay, you know? But to me, those are all really good characteristics, you know? And as we may struggle with it sometimes in the gym, I think those are very good characteristics in dealing with what we're in right now, mm. you know? Because they're not gonna settle for less, no. you know? And they are gonna fight and they are gonna stand up and they are gonna kind of question authority sometimes. And if it doesn't feel right to them, you'll know it does not feel right to them, you know? So I'm very hopeful, you know, I can't wait to get back in the gym, you know, with, you know, with my athletes and, and, and to embrace my program, because I can say, I look at it differently now, you know, I do. I mean, with all the things that are going on, you know, Um, you know, I mean, we really have three different pandemics, you know? I mean, you know, with the health and the financial and now the, you know, the racism and the social unrest. I mean, it's just really important that, um, that we, you know, we believe in that generation. And 
even as radical as some of the things, you know, were, and, you know, I struggle because I can see a lot of the history, mm-hmm. you know, and so, you know, with, you know, I, you know, I don't want to leave the show without talking a little bit about looting, you know, and, and how, you know, I, it's unfortunate, but I think people look at that as an action, but really that is a reaction. Mm-hmm. Right? It is, it is a reaction. And what we know about our history in America is you pretty much have to burn it all down, right? To get something done, to move the needle a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? And I believe that maybe, you know, I'm, I'm a little older, so maybe it's radical to me, but I think that, you know, the, the generation today, and I'm not saying that, you know, all, you know, they all believe in looting or whatever, but, you know, I think to get anybody's, you know, kind of to get on their radar, sometimes you have to be a little radical, you know, and it's really unfortunate because I come from a place that, you know, first of all, I grew up, you never, t- you know, you never touch what's, what, if it's not yours, you don't touch it. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's one piece. But the other piece is I think that, you know, where we get into kind of the s- systemic part of it, right? Is the community, there are people in that community, you know, they rely on those stores, you know, and, and, and because, you know, when you look at the, you know, the health pandemic, you know, with COVID, you know that it has hit the, you know, the black community so hard, you know, it has hit our black and brown community much harder than any other because of, you know, the, the diseases, you know, that run deeper in the black community with heart disease and, you know, diabetes and those kind of things. And, and that, you know, a lot of it has to do with exercise and, and fresh food and, you know, and those kind of things. So to me, those stores there and people who have invested in that community, it's really important for that community, mm. you know, mm. um, because how, you know, I struggle with, you know, if that store isn't there and you don't have a car, how are you getting fresh produce? 100%. You, know, you can't survive off of a bag of Cheetos, you know? You can't survive off of, you know, those things that, you know, will raise blood sugars or whatever, or, or that aren't healthy. So I, I, I just, I, I get worried. I get worried for, you know, I still have a grandma and she'll be 90 this year, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and surprisingly enough, you know, I feel, like I need to give a shout out to Facebook portal because it's been the savior best Christmas <laughs> gift ever, okay? mm-hmm. you know, because she lives in an independent living yeah, and she can't get out, you know, right. And she can't have visitors. So we so she gets a Facebook portal that she can see you on. I make sure to get FaceTime about four to five times a day, you know, because it's really important. And it is so important, Sam. And that yeah. is just one little nugget of why I love you. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, on that note, you know, I look at, you know, someone like my grandma, right? And how would she get her medicine? You know, if, if she lived in that community, like she would need a target pharmacy to get her medicine. So, you know, I, I just, I, I worry about things like that at the same time you know, I have to be able to look through multiple lenses, right, to understand, um, you know, that 
there are there may be different views, you know, but those are just some of the things I worry about, you know, about the community and the access, right, that we in the Black community need, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, to close out, Sam, I loved everything that you said. And I keep going back to one of the takeaways for me is this action versus reaction. Yeah. Is there any positive action that you would tell our listeners that they could do starting today? Oh, listen, again, just find, you know, like just establish a very safe circle. It could be one person, it could be two, you know, people or you know a team or whatever but find a safe place to have a discussion and then listen openly without dismissal you know just just be able to listen openly and and at its very core right whether you know i just think no matter where it is we just have to be kind right mm -hmm. we have to be kind to each other and we have to understand that the very same thing that makes us great could destroy us. And that's being different. Mm. You know? Mm. And that is such a beautiful thought to close on today. And thank you so much, Sam, for sharing your heart. You are welcome. And your intelligence and your vantage point to all our listeners. And I'm so grateful for our friendship. And the University of Minnesota is so blessed to have you as their director. I know many of the coaches over there, they are my good friends and they feel very grateful to have you as well. Thank you, thanks so much. And this platform is absolutely amazing. Um, I am, I'm so glad you reached out to me. Um, you know, I was a little hesitant at first just because I was in the middle of processing my feelings, you know, and I feel like I have a responsibility to kind of think about you know, some of the things that I would say and kind of own my feelings before I put them out there. So I just appreciate having such a fantastic platform and such a great friend in you, Jenna. I mm -hmm. think this is wonderful. And uh, yeah, society is lucky for, very, for having you. So thanks so Thank much. Thank you, Sam.